Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today, my guest is Glenn Ruga, and he's the founder of Social Documentary Network and the editor of Zeke magazine. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you, Valerie. It's great to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited because uh, this is something that we often talk about, documentary photography, but it's not always so clear as to what makes, you know, what's the difference between street photography and documentary photography. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show. So first, tell us a little bit about your background and um, and what uh, what is Social Documentary not Network? Okay, well, th those are clearly... Uh, Two separate questions. So let me start with the former. Um, my, my background is graphic design and documentary photography. And that's what led me into doing both the website and the magazine because um, I'm a photographer. I love photography. But also as a graphic designer, it's all about communications as well and bringing it um, beyond my own work. So I started getting into um, being much more interested in presenting other people's work and using uh, new technologies that became available in the beginning of the century to enable photographers to put their work on the web. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's briefly my background and how it led into um, developing the social documentary website. Um, and then the magazine, my background as a graphic designer is print. I love print and there's still a place for it. And I know photographers love to see their work in print. So. Um, that's what led us to more recently develop the magazine. So, so what, it, what is the social documentary, documentary network and, and what does it do for photographers? Yeah, um, it, it's a global network of documentary photographers that are interested in telling stories about global issues. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't want to scare people off to think that global issues need to be about war and famine and hard-hitting things. I mean, often they are. But um, global issues can also be about how people live their lives in very simple ways in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, some of my favorite exhibits on the website are just about very small communities in other parts of the world. And from their perspective, it's not a global issue. But from our perspective here, to see how other people um, address the challenges of lives in different conditions um, is a global issue for us here. For, um, for sure. And uh, so... That's the thing. People always have the, this idea of like, oh, to be a documentary photographer, you have to travel far. But it's not true. It could be in your own backyard. A absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, there's stories to be told everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, so what how does it work? What how, what do people do to be featured um, and on the website? Yeah, our website is an open platform where photographers anywhere can create an account and then Uh, they need to create an actual exhibit on the site using the tools that we provide. They need to upload a minimum of six images and then an abstract, which is a description of the project, and then captions for the images. Uh, they then submit that. We review them. And in most cases, the exhibits are approved. And then they go live on our website. And then um, we do as much as we can to promote this work through both the, the website Uh, our social media, and once a month we do an email spotlight to our 9,000 contacts around the world that features the best work submitted each month. 
And, and that's the core of the website. And then we, we do other things as well. We have um, call for entries and often the winners of those result in actual physical exhibitions. Um, often they open in New York and sometimes they travel to other locations. Okay, that was going to be my next question. So you do occasionally have physical exhibit. Correct. And okay. if you look on our website, there's a whole section on exhibitions that okay. um, show the ones we've had. Okay. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And, uh, and then you started the, you started the magazine. Um, when did you start the magazine? Yeah, the first issue was April, 2014. Um, so we've published two issues so far and we're working on the third issue now. Okay. And it, it's a print and digital magazine. Okay. So that's, that's really interesting because I ever, you know how we spend so much time in front of a screen as it is, especially as <laughs> photographers and Absolutely. and uh, and everything else we do. And I I don't read ebooks. I don't. Uh, well, I sometimes you have no choice. Sometimes it's only available via ebook or or e magazines. I find them like okay, it's just don't want to. That's not how I want to spend my leisure time in front of a screen. I like my paper books and I like my paper magazines. So um, it's reassuring that. Those are still available. Uh, and I just had a guest on the show recently who, who just launched a new print magazine, a fine art photography oh. print magazine. Uh, so, uh, so tell me a little bit about that. So people can either subscribe, like they can just buy one issue or do they have to subscribe for the year or how does that work? Well, when we just got started uh, this past year and for the first two issues, you would purchase individual issues. Okay. Starting with the next issue in the spring, it'll be on a yearly subscription basis. Okay. Um, but the current issue, the fall 2015 issue, is now available on our website as an individual copy. Okay, great. Um, and then what if people want it online? Um, it's available free online. Uh, just go to the website and enter your email address and you can access it free online. We, we may change that. Yeah. In the spring, we, we uh, may charge a fee for the online issue as well. We're trying it both ways. It makes sense. Yeah, because that's a, that's a lot of work to put this together. <laughs> yes. Uh, tell <laughs> us about it. Yeah. How, now, how does that work? I'm very curious about the printing process. How do, you, how do you go about printing not knowing how many people are going to subscribe or buy? Um, it, it, it's always a, a tough decision. Um, although with offset printing, you know, it's all about economies of scale. And okay. it's crazy for us to print less than a thousand, even if we're not going to sell less than a thousand. It doesn't okay. really cost us. I mean, if we printed a hundred copies or a thousand copies, the cost difference may be a hundred dollars. So for oh, the first two, really? for the first two issues, we've printed a thousand, and um, I think that'll hold us over. And yeah, that's good. We haven't made a decision on the third issue yet. Wow. So, so tell us a little bit about the magazine. What's what's in it? Yeah, I mean, the difference between the magazine and the website is that the, the website is a very open platform where a lot of work comes into it and we encourage um, all different types and quality of work and most gets onto the website. The magazine, on the other hand, is, is very highly curated and we very carefully look at the best work submitted to the website to select uh, themes and um, actual uh, photographs from the website that we feature in the magazine. So for, for the magazine, it's really our opportunity to highlight the best of what comes through the website. Mm -hmm. And so people don't submit to the magazine. They're, whenever they submit to the, to the website, that's where you pick your... your exactly. Feature. If people are interested in being in Zeke magazine, they should just submit their work 
as an exhibit to the SDN website. Okay. And that's considered that that's considered a submission to okay. the magazine. Okay. So yeah, I was wondering, okay, what's the difference? And then you have some interviews as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we always have uh, some interesting text-based work as well in the magazine related yeah. to photography. I just saw the interview with, uh, is it the, an editor from the Times magazine? Yeah. Alice Gabernet. Yeah. That's, uh, that's real interesting. Um, to have uh, such high caliber guest uh, uh, interviews on the on on the magazine, so that's a great great source of uh, of information and inspiration. So um, so tell me, what is the difference between street photography and documentary photography? Because we talk about that all the time on the on the show, and and it's not very clear. Just like well, what is street photography? You know, there. There, there are really yeah. no no set rules as to what you know should there always be people in the shots or not so uh so to me documentary photography i mean it, it can be in in a story in one frame or a series of images right it doesn't have to always be a series well from our perspective it has to be it has to be okay yeah so tell me what uh, hmm. how would you how would you differentiate the two yeah, there, there clearly is not a sharp line between mm -hmm. the two. There's, there's a lot of gray area. And, and we consider street photography a subset of documentary photography. There's a lot of street photography on the social documentary website. But, but let me talk about um, what I see the differences okay. are. I mean, often street photography is about individual images. And often street photography puts more emphasis on the photograph than the subject. Um, with documentary photography, I feel that the emphasis is more the other way, that um, first and foremost, documentary photography has a story to tell. It is about the subject. And then the photographer needs to use their skills as a visual artist um, and a storyteller to craft a story using the visual language. Um, but again, the, um, the real core is that there's a driving desire to um, tell a story about something. Mm -hmm. Street photography is often about the, um, the, the beauty, the exuberance, the amazing um, juxtapositions that one can find in the uh, human condition displayed on the public streets of the world. And um, often it is about the human condition. I mean, often there is a, a story to be told about um, people. Sometimes there aren't. I mean, I think some of the best photographers have ever existed, such as Henri Cartier-Bresson, mm -hmm. at heart was a street photographer, but um, his story was the human condition, and he, he did it so well um, by using the visual language. Uh, some photographers are more concerned really about the abstract qualities that they can create by juxtaposing different elements on the street and, and bizarre juxtapositions that may be artificial. Mm-hmm. Or it and can be our, more artsy, too. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's more the creativity of the photographer that is on display rather than the storytelling of the subject itself. That's true. I never thought of it that way, but it's absolutely right. Yeah. And, um, and street photography is not necessarily to uh, raise awareness like documentary photography is really to, to raise awareness, really, wouldn't you say? Um, yeah, and um, clearly I, I, you can make that generalization, um, but on the same token, I think there's some very 
great street photography that isn't so much making us aware in the same sense, but sensitizes us to human beings, such as Helen Levitt, you know, who's one of the great street photographers and her work is just so beautiful and and makes us really um, appreciate what it's like to be a young person in when the thirties, forties in New York, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it it gives us an appreciation and an understanding of that, which is extremely valuable. And I wouldn't say it's, it's any less than any traditional documentary photographer. So what's the difference between I mean, then a document, documentary photographer is more of a photojournalist. Um, well, a, again, th- there aren't m- sharp lines between the two. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't want to make any bottom line statements. I'm, I'm just making kind of um, I'm categorizing what the differences might be. But um, photojournalism, on the other hand, is its own thing as well. And, and, and I wouldn't say that documentary is photojournalism. Many documentary photographers are photojournalists, but um, one of the differences with photojournalism is that generally photojournalism is at the service of the media, um, whether it's um, newspapers, magazines, TV, and such. But there's generally a a larger institution that's um, supporting and commissioning this work, whereas many documentary photographers work outside the, the media world and do independent work that um, may appear in galleries or art magazines or on websites, but are are really outside of the traditional media. True. So what makes a good, a solid documentary project? What what do you look for? Um, What I look for, um, I come from an art and design background. and, And what's important for me first off, is that the photographer is a skilled and experienced visual communicator, meaning that they could craft a, a very compelling um, photograph and that they have a story to tell about a situation. So, I mean, there are people who are very passionate about issues and really are unable to make a good photograph. So, so that doesn't work. And there are people who can make fantastic photographs and don't necessarily have much to say with them. And that doesn't really work very well either. So, so it's really uh, the combination of the two, the, the desire, the passion to tell a story and the developed um, skills of being a visual artist. Mm-hmm. And in this case, using the photographic media. Yeah. So just like in storytelling, when, you know, when I, when I teach my, my workshop and, and I, I, teach my students to to tell stories in a in a in a series of images of their travel or wherever location we're at um they will include establishing shots medium shots close-up shots of course if if it's travel then of course there will be a lot of of, uh, street shots and so forth but that's really what a document or series of images is about, you know, to have those those levels of, you know, establishing medium and a lot of, of close-up shots to, shots to tie the story together. Yeah. And another very important part of our project, Social Documentary Network, is that the exhibits must have text. The exhibits, oh, okay. don't, the, the exhibits don't exist only through the photography. The, the exhibits require um, a project description and they require captions for each image. 
Yeah. I mean, sort of like doing a film documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, since the age of the silent film has passed, any film documentary requires or usually requires some type of dialogue. And in our sense, um, it requires text. Yeah. So what uh, what tip would you give um, a street photographer or any photographer? But I think as street photographers, we already, we already know how to tell a story in a frame. So we're really drawn to those longer projects. Um, where do you find the ideas? I mean, as we said earlier, you don't have to travel far. There are there are uh, stories happening in your own backyards. There are things that we need to bring awareness to uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, it doesn't have to be in, in uh, developing countries. I mean, it sure is happening here. <laughs> so, so where where do you find the inspiration? Where do you find the ideas? And I think that's usually what people are stuck. It's like where where can I find something that hasn't already been done? Well, I. It's fine that it's been done before. Somebody yeah. shouldn't get hung up on the fact uh, that it's never been done. Um, and um, I mean, not, not everybody is a storyteller. So, so, so first off, somebody has to want to tell a story. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not interested in telling a story, then you, you probably shouldn't enter this field, which is fine. Um, you know, documentary is just a part of the larger field of photography and there's um and personally i i I love abstract photography i love nature photography i love landscape photography but it's just not part of this project Mm -hmm. Uh, you know this project requires that somebody um really wants to tell a story about some situation um so I, i just pulled up some tabs on my browser in front of me of some projects that i find um, particularly interesting on the website, and let me just run through. Oh, please, yes, do um, some of these. Um, the first one is by a photographer, Ake Erickson, and he was a winner of one of our previous call for entries. And his project is about racism against Roma people in Europe. He's a Swedish photographer, and there's a large Roma or mm-hmm. Gypsy community um, in his country. Um, but he's he's spent a lot of time traveling around Europe documenting this community. And he does other work. He does commercial work. He does journalism. But this is a project that um, he's devoted a lot of time and a lot of resources to and has photographed Roma people throughout Europe. And um, I'm attracted to his work because it, it's very enigmatic. Um, it, it's very fine art work mm-hmm. in the sense that it doesn't tell you obvious things in the pictures themselves, but he uses this work with the text to give us insight about the conditions of Roma people in Europe. Um, It's all black and white. Much of the work on SDN is, but by no means all. Um, It may be half of it's black and white. And to be honest, most of this work starts out as color digital capture and the photographer converts to black and white. Mm -hmm. In, In rare cases, a photographer will be shooting black and white film, but that's more rare. Um, but, but let me go to another um, exhibit from the Russian Federation um, by a woman, Nadia Sablin, and it's called Aunties. And it's, it's this charming exhibit about these two elderly Russian women who just live in a small town, who live, on, who live by themselves, and um, how they get by in their lives, um, you know, taking care of themselves. Um, there's a great picture of them with... Um, bonnets on with his big old three-foot bandsaw cutting firewood 
and, and these aren't young women. I mean, the, uh, the, the women in this um, essay are, I think, in their 70s. Um, you know, there's pictures of them, um, you know, cooking borscht. And, you know, what's delightful about this picture is really the visual qualities. You know, borscht is a very colorful soup made out of beets. And the color of this soup is just, um, just makes such a magnificent photograph. Um, so, so this is a, a, a great example of an exhibit that's not about um, sweeping historical epics, exactly. but just, a, mm -hmm. just about a, a very charming situation. Uh, here they are holding a bowl of these beautiful fresh strawberries um, with their print dresses on. And we need some of those stories, uh, too, because... Because there is enough bad news out there, and I think <laughs> I think once in a while to read uh, to to look at a series of images of something that actually is going to make you go, oh, now that is that is nice, you know, is kind of refreshing. And, and to remind us that uh, there's a huge world out there, yeah. um, but but people in all beauty. parts of the world are often very similar to us and what our needs are and desires yeah. and aspirations. For sure. And, um, and, and true, I mean, it's just like uh, people get tired of photographing their own town and their own streets. Like, don't forget that your own town is actually a vacation destination for somebody else. <laughs> so uh, there is already something to share with the world at large that will be different. And, and that's very difficult for photographers because mm -hmm. it's very important to look at things fresh. That's why people travel. Yeah. And it, it's hard to look at your own backyard fresh when you see it every day. So it, it, it's really the sign of a more developed artist to be able to photograph their backyard because yeah. it shows that they look at the world new every day. And, and that's hard. And, and I think it's also just like you, you do better work at something you're passionate about, you know, to look for something you truly care about. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a dog lover, then, you know, then do a story about the local shelter. I mean, start at that, that something simple, yeah. um, and, and, and develop your skills. And you would be surprised how many exhibits on the social documentary network, um, are centered around pets and mm -hmm. animals and people's relationship to animals. Yeah. And I think that's that's accessible to everyone because that's the thing. Not, I mean, not everybody knows if they'll make a good documentary photographer, but sometimes you only find out after you start doing it. So um, I would say start small, develop those skills, and see if that's something for you. But start with something really accessible that's not going to cost you any money to travel to that you can work. Uh, you know, that you can document over several weeks or months or whatever that is really in your own backyard. And, um, and, and that's, that should, uh, then after you have a good idea, are you, are you any good at this? So, so how does it work when people submit their project? What process do you, do, does it go through? So they completely create the online exhibit using the tools on the website. Okay. Um, that they click a button to submit it. And then I get a notification on my end that there's a new exhibit that's been submitted. Um, I, I review it. Um, in most cases, work that isn't accepted, it's because it's outside of the bounds of documentary. Okay. Um, that's more often the case that it's rejected than actual quality. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes it just falls below quality. Okay. And um, some, sometimes if there's just no text at all, um, 
but most work does. So we send them a notification that the work's been accepted. And um, th there are um, two ways, um, two approaches after that. They could pay the standard fee, which is based on 85 cents an image per year to maintain the website, or they can do a 90-day free trial. Um, they get all the same benefits either way. We don't discriminate in any way against the free trial. They can still be um, in our monthly spotlight and in our social media. Um, and then the exhibits are, are up for renewal on a yearly basis, um, paying the same fee of 85 cents an image um, per year. Very reasonable. So on average, how many images do people submit in a gallery? Um, probably the average is about 15. And I think okay. that's about a good number. Yeah. But they run the gamut. The minimum of, is six. So okay. that, that, that's the minimum. Some people have 60 or 70. I think that's usually overkill and not necessary to do okay. that many. So and and the amount of writing. I mean, you don't have to be a, a writer. I mean, really, it has to come from the heart. Yeah, that scares I, a lot of people, especially photographers, visual artists. I'm sure it does. And I'm sure it limits a lot of people from being more active on our platform because they need to um, say something and write something in words. And since primarily our users are photographers um, and not writers, often writing is the weak link mm -hmm. in, in the exhibits. Um, and we'll, we'll correct um, minor grammatical errors and such, particularly in our spotlight, if, if it goes into our spotlight. Um, we, we will do some editing work, um, but, but we don't require a lot of text. Uh, uh, the abstract is a maximum of 180 words, but there's no minimum. I mean, they could just give a one sentence description if they choose. And the same with captions. Um, we just like to have a minimum of a um, location or date. Some people will do more, which we appreciate, but it's not required. Mm -hmm. Now, any other projects that really um, touched you particularly that you want to share? Um, yeah, um, I have many. We probably don't have time to go through <laughs> them all here. But, 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 one but I, I like I, to I hear wanna... you uh, describe them. That's really interesting. And then we can go and look at them on the website. Yeah. Um, another one here is quite the extreme of um, cutting edge topical war and peace situations. And this one is by an Iranian photographer who um, lives in Paris, so she's French now. And she, she has made a project of photographing uh, Kurdish women fighters. Uh, the photographer's name is Maryam Ashrafi, and her project is called Mourning Kobani. Mourning mean, meaning how you mourn people mm -hmm. who have passed away. And this has become an extremely topical issue because much of the fight against ISIS right now, or much of the successful fight against ISIS, Has been, by the, have, has been by the Kurdish forces in Syria and Iraq. And um, the, the Kurds have established quite an interesting um, political um, community that, that is quite different than um, the, the rest of the Middle East. And women there have taken on an extremely important and prominent role among the fighters, and they have their own fighting unit. Uh, so Maryam has um, made a project. She, she's made a few exhibits, but it's really her core work of photographing women Kurdish fighters. And, and this particular exhibit is about um, 
the Kurds coming back to the town of Kobani, which had been taken over by ISIS earlier, but then the, the Kurds regained it back. And it's photographs of the town. Um, but there's some very compelling photographs of the Kurdish women fighters here. And um, one of these images we featured in Zeke magazine as well. It's just an extraordinary woman, uh, extraordinary fo uh, photograph of a group of women in battle gear um, as they're returning to Kobani. So a, a good way to, I think, learn how to become a documentary photographer is to immerse yourself in some of those images and, and you know, spend time looking at what a, a good, like such as this project, it seems, would be a good one to look at to see what makes it so special, you know. But sure. And I have no doubt that most of the photographers who are listening to this show are capable on the photographic side of, mm -hmm. of taking photographs that are of the quality and visual interest as any of the ones you're seeing on the social documentary website. But, but the difference and the challenge is to um, weave them into a story about something that they're passionate about and hopefully they can make um, other people interested in through yeah. the images and yeah. their words. Yeah, and putting everything together in a in a meaningful way and, and how to organize those images, how to edit your own work too. That's yeah. um that's that, that's uh, hard. I, I think it's hard often have a hard time editing their mm -hmm. own work. Yeah. So you, you suggest maybe asking some peers, you know, for their opinion. Um how, sure. um, how do people go about doing that? Um before this they submit the images to you, what are the steps you think they take? On most cases, um, well, it, obviously it's different for each photographer, and we're not involved in that part of mm -hmm. it. Um, from my own background in photography, um, I, I do understand how photographers do this. But but as much as photographers can engage with other photographers and talk about their work um, and look at other work, I think is a is a very important um, part of their education. I, I think photographers know this they don't need me telling them this but um but often they work in a vacuum uh, they work alone they work on their own computers or they work in the field but they don't have an opportunity um, to engage in meaningful um discussion with other people in the field and as much as they can find opportunities to do that i think it'll help them there are the, the whole um uh system of portfolio reviews that photographers can do which will help them do that And there are photography reviews all over the world, all over the United States that they can go to where they can talk to experienced editors who will uh, discuss these issues with them. And, and clearly workshops, you know, there are workshops yeah. all over the country. Um, you know, some are better than others. I encourage photographers to find the ones that have photographers that they respect and admire and spend time. Um, but working in a vacuum is, is the hardest, it's the hardest thing to do. And, and not to be afraid of the critique process either. Uh, people are always nervous. They think that critique is so negative, but it's constructive. It's not negative. And uh, there's so much to learn from it, yes. um, for sure. But I think it's very intimidating. I know I, I give a lot of critique for just, um, still, uh, I mean, single shots. I, I don't do um, series of images um, necessarily, but for street photography. And it's amazing how much one will grow from a critique. Uh, 
And often they're nervous, like, oh, I don't know what to expect. It's like, but don't worry. I mean, it's going to be constructive. And then there's always something good about an image, you know, don't, but there's always something to learn. And it's not to fix that particular image, it's to, to use what you learn from it to apply in the field the next time. Uh, but it is for many quite intimidating, but, um, but the best yeah, way to and, learn. And some people who are teachers and do this work need to, understand that message as well because mm -hmm. um, <laughs> some are unforgiving in their yes. criticism so i mean as a photographer you have to be willing to accept the good and the bad and understand that just yeah. because somebody gave you a negative critique it's not the end of the world by any means that's right yeah and it's true i've heard stories i mean i'm i'm rather kind uh, because I put myself in the, in the student's shoes and, uh, and I feel, I don't want to traumatize anyone, but there are some pretty, pretty tough, uh, uh, photographers who give some really harsh critiques that can totally traumatize someone and turn them completely off. And That's you don't true. want to do that either. So, uh, yeah, there is a, there is a balance there somewhere. Well, uh, Glenn, this has been really, really informative and I'm so glad we had this discussion. So now, uh, please give us the links to both the, um, the, the website and links to the magazine so that, I mean, everything will be on the show note. We'll feature some of the images on the blog post for this episode, but but um, in case people are just listening as they're running or driving, where can they see more about um, about what you sure. do? Sure. The, the primary portal is the Social Documentary Network website, which is socialdocumentary.net. Okay. Once you go there, there's also a link for Zeke Magazine, but that mm -hmm. has its own direct link as well, which is zekemagazine.com. And Zeke is Z-E-K-E. -E. Okay. What does it stand for? Um, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Zeke is my cat. Uh, <laughs> well, there Zeke, we go. <laughs> uh, we call him Zeke for short. And for the magazine, we thought we would do something a little bit more playful and a little bit more enigmatic than yeah. the name of the organization, which is pretty straightforward and pretty yeah. serious sounding. Yeah, I like it. I, uh, and I will definitely order my copy because, as I said, I like it. I mean, I saw the online version, but... I just have a hard time reading from a screen. I want to hold and I want to look at prints in my hands. So, and it looks like it's a, a really good quality. Yeah. And we well. really celebrate the photography in the magazine. Mm -hmm. The photographs are large yeah. and it's printed on really nice paper, um, beautifully printed. I, I think your readers would really appreciate having a copy. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you. We are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes as well and leave a rating. My name is Valérie Jardin and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets. Hit the streets.